Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Thursday, November the 9th. And we're going to talk a little Texas today. So let me say hello to our good friend, George Rodriguez. How are you, George? Real good, real good. Go Rangers. Yes, congratulations to the Rangers. That was a great run. Um, you know, I, I know they had to beat the Rangers, I mean, the, the, the Astros, to get to the World Series. But as we said about a month ago, as long as a team from Texas was in the World Series, we'd be okay. And I really do believe that the actual uh, World Series was the Rangers and the Astros because the Rangers just ran over uh, the uh, the Diamondbacks. So <laughs> I've lost you again. Yeah, I was just saying, sorry about that. I was just saying that the Rangers-Astros was the best series. That was it. Uh, yeah. Of all the postseason. That was the most competitive series Seven games, very competitive, and I thought it was a great series overall. Glad to see the Rangers win, but, you know, hey. you, you guys have won so many times. I mean, hey. come on, give us a break. Exactly. Yeah. Keep it in Any, the family, though. Keep it in yeah, the family. That's right. That's right. One of these days, and, and we don't have a lot of time today, but one of these days I want to pursue with you the possibility of moving one of the major league teams to San Antonio because – the Oakland A's are having a lot of problems in Oakland. They want to get the heck out like everybody else out of Oakland. And there's yeah. talk of them going to Vegas, but I think San Antonio would be a better choice uh, for them. I mean, we, we can talk about that some other time, but I, I just think that that would be, it would be a good move, a smart move for a baseball team, you know, to move to San Antonio. And you have that triangle, Houston, San Antonio, uh, you know, Dallas, like you do in, in the NBA, that that would be a good move, I think. Don't I you? think it would be very good. <laughs> I think so. So hopefully they'll they'll move the Oakland A's to San Antonio. I how close is San Antonio to having a major league baseball stadium? Um I think it's the issue has always been uh the proximity to Houston and the uh amount of uh draw that they're the the economic influence of the astros in san antonio um that has always the chamber of commerce has always fought that and i think that at this point uh san antonio the san antonio austin metroplex has grown very very uh much and i think it's a very very uh realistic uh situation well, having just Having just been to Austin this last weekend for a wedding, I can tell you, you're exactly right about all that growth. Oh, and tremendous! How about instead of uh, the San Antonio team, how just the Central Texas team? Yeah, so that it would be Austin, San Antonio, that, Round Rock. That would be. I guarantee that the small that that either New Braunfels or San Marcos would really go for that. Hayes County or Cabal County would like. Yeah. That. So anyway, it's something to think about because I don't think we're that far from it. Nope. You know, I think in the next three to five years, this will happen. It, it will happen. Uh, there will be a major league team there. But let me let me begin with a huge story. This just broke in the last 30 minutes, and we're recording this about 3 o'clock uh, on Thursday. So about 2 or 2.30 this afternoon, Senator Joe Manchin said that he was not seeking re-election. And that's not a shock because he was going to lose. I mean, that's a, a reality there. But it, the other part of the statement that he made left a lot of people wondering if he's running for president because he is, gave the impression, at least to me, 
that he may be running as an independent. So first of all, did you did you hear about uh, Senator Manchin? I heard that he was not going to run anymore, that he yeah. made the announcement. Right. Um, and uh, it doesn't really surprise me. <clears throat> the um, I mean, I think that he has lost a lot of support uh, from Democrats uh, in general. Uh, let's remember that uh, West Virginia is a very small, uh, a very small state population wise. And its economy is very, very dependent on the on the petroleum industry, on coal. Uh, it has. Uh, I used to be the uh, HUD director in, in for the state of West Virginia uh, for uh, five years, and let me tell you, it um, it loses uh, most of its young people, and uh, it, uh, it it is a state that really, really needs a lot of attention. So when you've got a uh, a state, uh, a, a federal senator like Joe Manchin, that um, is being pressured by the national party. Uh, he is going to, you know, he is going to have to react to them. Unfortunately, you've got the situation in uh, for him in West Virginia, where he was a, a uh, conservative Democrat, a moderate Democrat. And uh, that is an, an an extinct breed now, right. Right. and uh, so he um, he he was very much at the mercy, or he has right. been at the mercy, of the party, and uh, nowhere to go. That's and right. uh, you know the Republicans have been after him to change parties, but he hasn't wanted to do that. Right. Well, I think it's probably easier to find a dinosaur in West yeah. Virginia than a moderate Democrat, other than yeah. Manchin. I mean, Manchin. Um, well, it'll be interesting to see. Let me tell you, Silvio. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Quayar. That's right. In our backyard, right here in San Antonio. In, in, in yes. That's right. And and he's, you know, I'm sure that the Republicans are courting him too, because he he has a a you know he he's he's an interesting interesting representative, very conservative as well. Now, one thing about Manchin, I was watching his little speech. Very nice speech that he gave, thanking the people of West Virginia and talking about his family and all of that. It was very nice. But then at the end, he said he wanted to travel the country now and see what people had to say. That sounded to me like he may be running for president. And it occurred to me, just a crazy thought. You know, we we all have crazy thoughts from time to time. But uh, what about a Trump mansion ticket uh, in 2024? I know it sounds crazy. Nobody's going to believe it. But that would be a real, uh, I think that would be a, a really interesting ticket. They're not that far ideologically. And Trump could present it as a union ticket or as a unity ticket. I, I think that might work, uh, George. Well, personality-wise, I think that the, it would work, uh, definitely. Manchin is much more of a team player. He is very, very reserved. He is not bombastic. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, he could very much play the role of a vice president. Uh, to um, to uh, uh, Trump, so in that aspect of it, I think it would it would uh, it would work. He's also very middle of the road, and I think that he's going to he would have uh, a lot more in common with uh, Trump than uh, the hardline Republicans. Right. He's also having been in the Senate. You know, the vice president is the president of the Senate, of the, Senate. He's the, the operating officer of the Senate. So he would be. Very, very, very ideal. Well, well prepared for it. Yeah, that's right. He knows the procedure. So that would be so anyway, I just throw that out there. 
probably not going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if it does, because stranger things have happened uh, in, in, in politics. Well, let's get to the GOP debate, George. Uh, they had a debate last night. I didn't watch it live because I was I had a commitment at that time, but I did watch it. Yeah, you did. Okay, well, I, I watched it later. I watched the rerun, as they like to call it. And here's my sense. Nobody won, nobody lost. Nobody, it wasn't like a bad night for anybody. It was not a good night for anybody. It just seems like another day went by, not much happened. That for me, the two highlights of the debate were when Vivek went after the NBC reporter yes. on the Russian hoax, you know, a lot of people may call that grandstanding, but I think that needed to be perfect. I, I think that needed to be said. I really do. I think I do people have to be challenged on that. Now, the other part and more significant of the debate was when when Nikki Haley talked about abortion. I thought she made a very sensible presentation uh, about abortion, and and I think she may have shown the way on how to talk about abortion, which is going to be our next uh, our next topic. But anyway, those are my two reflections on the debate. How did you see it? Uh, it uh, those were the two highlights, definitely, definitely. Uh, I really applauded Vivek when he went after the, the NBC folks. And I love the response of the NBC. Uh, the, uh, the NBC anchor, uh, I, I forget his name, um, I think Kristen is her name. The lady, you mean? No, no, no. The 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 one that uh, Lester, yeah, Lester, Lester, Lester couldn't get out of that quick enough. In fact, uh, as soon as Vivek finished, his his comment was, "Okay, let's move on," and and they switched to the next topic. They couldn't. Right. They wouldn't touch what he had just said with a, with a ten foot pole. I thought it was beautiful, and I thought it was it needed to be said. As far as uh, as uh, Nikki Haley's comments on on abortion, I think they were right; they were on target. And uh, I personally have seen uh, coalitions, Christian coalitions here in San Antonio, that have tripped over themselves uh, as far as being able to express themselves in abortion uh, on the abortion issue. And I think that that they really, really need to take a cue from from uh, Nikki Haley and on the way that she explained it, because um, uh, it, it, I mean, if you're going to debate it and if you're going to present this very, very hot issue to voters, you've got to do it in a manner so that the voters will understand it will, and will gravitate to you. Right. I agree. And, and I also think that the, the Republicans need to be careful not to fall in the trap, the abortion trap. And what I mean by that is, this is all the Democrats have at the moment is talking about abortion and, and, you know, uh, college uh, loans and that kind of stuff. They really cannot talk about the issues because president Biden is underwater and every one of the issues. So abortion is the great distraction. That's how I see it. It's the great distraction. And the Democrats focus a great deal on women's rights. Nobody's talking about the baby. Everybody's just talking about women's rights. So, what we saw in Ohio was interesting. The media is blowing this up like a great defeat for the Republican Party. But that's not really what happened in Ohio. And I've looked into it, and, and you have too, I'm sure. In Ohio, there was a, a, a referendum, an amendment like we have them here, where the, the people of Ohio said by a comfortable majority that a woman has the right to an abortion. Basically, what that amendment did 
was to shut down any ban on abortion, meaning the state could not ban abortions, uh, you know, at any point for incest or or uh, for rape or whatever. But it didn't say that that abortion was unconditional. And in fact, as it, as it turns out, I think it's 20 weeks or something like that. And there's still Ohio. a term. There's still there's still a a a a, a term there a, a, uh, to avoid it or to prevent it. That's right. So I think what the to me the lesson of abortion is: don't fall in the trap of talking about rights. Talk, you know, simply yeah, say exactly. Yeah, That's simply it. say, look, we believe we're pro-life. We're pro-life. I mean, I'll tell you my position on it. I'm pro-life. Look, I have three sons, uh, uh, a couple of little grandchildren, and they are what happens when you don't have an abortion. You get little babies uh, that make your life so much better. But at the same time, I I'm willing to have a window that says if a woman wants a an abortion because of rape or incest, then let give her that right. Let, let her have the abortion if that's what she wants. Obviously, if there's a medical problem, that's not even really an abortion anyway. Exactly. That's, that's, not even a, that's not even an issue. Yeah. That's not even an issue. So but you I have un, unfettered, universal uh, abortion, right? You know, that well, should the, be explained. There's a and, and the public opinion. doesn't even want that, George. I mean, exactly. the, I mean, the polls clearly show that Americans have come to a and that's what Nikki Haley was saying last night, I think, in a very good way. Americans have come to like a consensus where they're saying, you know, we don't want abortion after, you know, late term abortion. But we want a woman to have the, the opportunity to have an abortion if she that's wants necessary. Yeah. And if it's necessary. And I think that that's where the party should be going. And in fact, I got to give credit on this one to Trump because Trump has avoided the issue. Of very abortion. successful. <laughs> very successfully. And he does it by by talking about this uh, consensus. But it is interesting that when you when you look at the way the Ohio vote was covered, you would have thought that Roe v. Wade had just been revived. Exactly. In Ohio. And that's not. But again, that's the media. That's the, the media. very, very media that Vivek was uh, was uh, criticizing. That's that's, that's right. the media. I think that there was a desperate move by the media, the mainstream media, to find as much positive in this election for the liberal causes as possible. And I think that that's what exactly what they've done. Right. And after this vote uh, in Ohio, they took some of these uh, polls that they take after people vote. What I forgot what they're called. The exit uh, polls. Yeah, the exit polls. And they took polls of people who voted for the referendum. And these people in majority said, no, I wasn't voting for unconditional abortion. I was only voting for the right of a woman to have an abortion. Or basically what it was, the better way to phrase it, is to say that they oppose a ban on abortion. That's basically go. what they're saying. They're yeah. not saying that they want abortion. They just don't think it's right to say no 100%. Completely so, say no, no. So I think the Democrats may be, may be misreading that, and you're right. Well, Somebody you know, they, they are def definitely, Democrats are definitely looking for a silver lining in everything. In and, and in this case, a distraction from not having to talk about the real issues uh, in the country. Well, we had a vote here in Texas as well. We voted, uh, and the property tax issue passed uh, in big numbers. I think that's a huge victory for 
for not only the governor, but really for everybody. And George, I mentioned a few months ago when this issue was being debated that I think this is going to bring even more business to Texas. The property tax, uh, ref not not really refund, but whatever the whatever they call it. I think it's going to bring more business to Texas because it'll Texas is even now more attractive to do business or live than it was before, George. I think it is. Uh, I think that that um, the uh, companies are going to see that uh, you know that they can come here and that their their profit margin is much larger. I'll tell you what is going what it is going to also cause is for big cities, specifically Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Austin, uh, who are going to want to make up more money uh, to spend. They're going to raise their own prop. There, it's going to. We're on a collision course in these in these urban areas because they're going to want to make up for profit uh, profit losses uh, that they can't uh, from state properties. So uh, or from or get from the state. So they're going to uh, raise uh, property taxes, in my opinion, uh, in in these urban areas. So it's going to be very very interesting the next uh, three four years as we see the state. Uh, communities in in the uh, in the suburbs, in the uh, open areas, uh, flourish economically, in my opinion. And the inner areas, the inner cities, are going to have to do something to attract business into their communities, into their areas. Yeah, I, I mean, if the cities begin to pass their own property taxes, more people are going to move out. I think that's what you're saying, right? That more people move will move out, which is already happening. By it's the way. already happening, but yeah. these uh, these hardline Democrats just don't see that. <laughs> you know, I agree. I agree. And uh, one of the things, and and we see it here in the Dallas area. We see it here in the Dallas area. You know, I look at the business section every day, and they're talking about a new company is moving to Texas. Yeah. A new company is moving to Texas. But look, I, I have not. When they tell you where they're moving to, I don't see any of them. They're not moving to Dallas. They're not moving to the urban area. They're not moving. No, San I Antonio mean, and yes. Austin. The the growth is happening between them, not inside them. Right, and and as I said uh, a few minutes ago, all you have to do is drive through there. Yeah, unless you're I a did this weekend in, in Austin. Austin is very attractive to the homeless. Yes. <laughs> That's right. And, and and again, you see it here. You see all these companies moving to Frisco, the colony, uh, Plano, even north of that. I mean, between between um, and, and you're familiar with Dallas between the 635 and the Oklahoma border. Yes, that's, that's where every move. That's where everybody's moving to. Nobody seems to be moving south of 635. <laughs> at least not the businesses. So you, you do have, uh, I think the cities need to be careful there. They really need, they, to, they need to wake up. They really need to wake up. But they continue to spend all sorts of money on social issues. And what can you say? Yes. Now, speaking of cities, I there was an election in Houston for mayor. Oh, my gosh. And they're going to go to a, to a, a runoff. Uh, runoff. Now, we all know about Sheila Jackson. I mean, she's... Oh. She's a real character. Uh, I, what about I, was the, I was the HUD director in Houston. Yes. And she was on the city council. And I and then when she was a congresswoman, I guarantee I had I dealt with her for eight years. I guarantee she is a circus. Right. I don't understand how she how she is really how they really, really, uh, you know, are serious about her becoming 
uh, Houston's mayor. If that happens, I, you know, my gosh, it's going to be crazy for Houston. You know, I had the same reaction when I heard she was running. I've never thought of Sheila Jackson Lee as a very serious person. I mean, she's, you know, a, her comments. Yeah. Tell you all about her. That's right. Tell you all about her. Now, what about the other fellow who was running against her? The the two who are going to the to the runoff, Whitmore, right? The other fellow. Yeah. Whitmore. Now, Whitmore has been involved in in uh, Democrat politics for a long, long time. Uh, his um, uh, wife uh, ran for for mayor, and I believe was a um, a, a state rep uh, in the Houston area for a while. And uh, so they've been they've been politically involved for a while. But would it be fair to say that Whitmore is more of a centrist? Well, um, yeah, it, 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 you could. I mean, she he is more centrist than than uh, than uh, Sheila Jackson Lee. But still, I think he's still a liberal. Uh, it'll be very, very interesting how he handles the economic issues of uh, of uh, Houston. But um, I, I I would not continue, con- consider him a centrist. Okay. All right. I didn't know much about him when I saw uh, his Unfortunately, name. Unfortunately, I think that the vote in in Houston is going to come down to a racial vote. Well, unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, that is what it's going to be all about. Right. And the way it the way it broke down is I just saw the story of a couple of days ago. But the way it broke down is that neither one got fifty, uh, and. Whitmore got, I think, in the mid forties, so he doesn't have that much to make up to to get to a majority. There is but, a huge Latin population in Houston now, and it'll be very interesting to see how that goes. But it depends too, I guess, what the the other candidates who they endorse, right? It depends yep. who they endorse, because I mean, if they endorse, or how strong they are. Yeah. So I mean, we'll you know, see. they they might have been. Uh, they might have been distractions rather than right. real candidates. Well, what I'm hearing, and it's not official, uh, is that Whitmore has the edge right now; that he's likely to win. The right. I think that I think that the business community in 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 Houston is definitely going to back him much more than they would Sheila Jackson Lee. Yeah. Sheila Jackson Lee is just really a uh, a loose cannon. Yeah, uh, I know. A political loose cannon. Right, and and uh, as I said, I. It's one thing to be a member of a city council. It's one thing to be a member of Congress. It's another thing to be the mayor of yes. one of the top ten. Then you're really running United. things. You were. That's right. That's right. And and you also have to deal with the business community, and make sure the business community doesn't take their business out of the city. That's right. Which you is don't a challenge. More. Which is a challenge that all these mayors are are having. Well, let's talk about the governor. He calls another uh, legislative session. Is this the first time, you know, Texas politics uh, as well as anybody, but is is this the first time we've had so many of these sessions? I don't recall them before. I don't recall that many, really. I mean, I, 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 this is the first time for me to have to see so many because we've got so many hot issues. That's for sure. Well, that's it. And I think maybe maybe the mistake here was trying to do so much. So. Uh, because there was so much on the plate, they just couldn't get to. And, and well, and at the same time, the finger pointing that goes on against um, the the House, that the House refused to move on a lot of stuff that needed to get done. Right, like, and then you what? had the then you had the impeachment. I think that distracted. Oh business. my gosh, the impeachment was. Yeah, I mean that just distracted. A lot of this stuff could have been done. Incredible. Yeah, 
But the two big issues are the the border uh, law that uh, made it out of the House, but didn't make it out of the Senate. That seems to me, maybe I'm wrong, but it's a done deal. I think all they have to do is get it out of the Senate. Uh, I, I, I had, what are you uh, hearing? Yeah, well, I had the um, the senator who sponsored it, Senator Harrison, that sponsored it. He was on my show last week, and uh, he pretty much feels it is a done deal. Uh, the only question uh, on it is uh, how how the um, the state is going to handle uh, the lawsuits who are right. going to be who are just waiting already for them for it to, to happen. The fact of the matter is that. Um, uh, the, um, the, it, the, the bill has been looked at legally from, uh, legalistically from various, uh, uh, aspects. And it appears like, um, it's going to be okay. I mean, right. if a, uh, if a, uh, state wants to arrest a non-citizen for being illegally in their state, they can do that. Right. There is nothing to prevent it. So, uh, this will be a, a big deterrence, in right. my opinion, uh, to a lot of folks who want to cross the border. Uh, you know, they're going to end up having to make a decision to cross in Texas right. or cross in New Mexico. or uh, Right. And of course, uh, if they cross in New Mexico, that's their problem, of course, yeah. over there. Right. But right. here's here's an indication. These lawsuits, I mean, may not work as well as the Democrats thought they would, because at the moment, uh, if you remember the barriers and if you remember exactly. the, the lawsuit the, over the barriers and the lawsuit of you know, cutting the whatever that was, that wire and both of those lawsuits, I think the Democrats thought they were going to go to the to the court and the courts would immediately immediately stop it, throw, stop it. But they haven't done that. They haven't done that. They haven't I, done I, that. Yeah. The, it, well, comes to, it comes down to Silvio that the state has the right to protect citizens. And to protect the citizens from what? Well, we don't know of the people that are crossing. They have not been vetted. We don't know who they are. We don't know if they're carrying visas. We don't know. We don't know anything about that. And the state has the right, has the responsibility, to uh, to do that. Right. And uh, many people the, the uh, have wanted the uh, the governor to take more action. Well, I don't know if that's if that's possible. But what he's done right now, he is winning. He is winning, and uh, it's showing that you know it can be done and it should be done. Well, it may also be, and I like the fact that you said responsibility because that's exactly that's better than a right. I think the exactly. responsibility uh, of a governor to say, "Hey, this is I have to do this. It's my responsibility to protect my state." So I think that's a a good way to put it. But I think what may be happening also, George, is that these federal judges are aware of the mess. That this situation in the border they, has they created. Got to. They have yesterday, to yesterday in the morning, there was again another horrific crash in South Texas, where a um, a, a uh, trafficker had picked up some some uh, Hondurans and uh, was speeding to get away from the uh, to to get away from the state troopers. Uh, he crashed head on uh, and killed. Uh, a family three, and uh, the um, the four, the three uh, illegal aliens, and the driver, the the human trafficker, were also killed. Right. I mean, these. So they killed a family in South Texas. You mean? Correct. Yeah. They, it was a head-on crash, and it wow. killed a family as well as the 
the trafficker and the, and the four right. uh, uh, illegal aliens were also killed. I mean, these kind of horrific things are, are all too common, are all right. too common. Right. And, um, you know, not to mention uh, now, you know, that uh, the number of, of Syrians, the number of Iranians, the number of Chinese that are being caught or stopped right. at the border. Um, it, we, we are, we have to protect the citizens. What's the point of being a citizen if, if your country doesn't protect you? Right. No. And, and I think, you know, it's interesting to me because when, when Texas, when the, the governor, you know, created those barriers and then came the other, the other action of stopping or, or suing the federal government over the federal agents cutting the, the wire, you know, I said to myself, these are going to be test cases. And I expected the federal judges to be to react negatively and say, no, you can't do that. You're a state. You can't do that. That's a federal function. But I think the judges, either because they read the news or because they see it with their eyes, they're seeing the chaos. Yeah. And they're saying, hey, you know, we understand what Texas is saying. Texas is not saying that we should be doing this. Texas is saying the federal government is not doing it. So doing it so we're doing it so it's 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 an interesting position and we're walking on new constitutional a, a new constitutional debate in other words that is what happens when the federal government doesn't do its job do the state governments have a right to step up i think that's the issue george that's it that's it i mean the um uh i i, I we're slowly creeping toward a uh toward a point when the federal government is going to be challenged overall for not uh, doing its job at the border. I think right. that's, that's the bottom line. We're moving in that direction. Right. And um, Paxton is the one that's, that's carrying the banner forward. That's right. No, I think he, he's doing a great job in, in that area. Uh, but all you have to, I mean, if you're a federal judge, you have got to see what's happening in the exactly. chaos that this is creating, not just here, but look at New York, look at Chicago, look elsewhere. Now, the other issue that the governor wants to complete in this session is the question of vouchers. Uh -huh. Now, I thought he was they were done with that a week ago. And I don't know what happened that delayed it, but I'm hoping that they can, you know, they can say to some of these rural areas, we understand your point of view. And I do too, by the way. I I understand it, even though I don't live in a rural area. I understand that they want to protect their schools. Okay, I get it. So just give them whatever money they need and move on, George. Yeah, and I think that that's it. I mean, from what I'm hearing right now, the um, the situation in the rural areas, they're being placated, they're being um, calmed down, and uh, once that happens, I think it's a done. It, it's it's a done deal. Uh, the people that are very very upset about this, of course, uh, are is the National Education Association, the teachers union, uh, and uh, the uh, uh, American. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, the AFL-CIO, uh, the union, the national unions—they uh, are very, very upset with this because uh, if Texas pushes forward a, a state voucher program like they are, like, like this has been designed, um, other states are probably going to follow suit pretty quickly. Right. No, I think you're right. I think Florida already has one, I believe. Yeah. Indiana has one. Iowa has one. Uh, so I think it's moving in that direction. I thought it was interesting. There's a great article in the Dallas Morning News on Wednesday morning. 
and a not an article but a an opinion piece by some group uh, showing some statistics that black parents and minority parents in general want school choice. So the question is, who are these Democrats really representing? Exactly. Because the parents in their communities. And, and again, the answer has always been is that they represent the unions. Right. They represent the unions. And the unions, you know, uh, supposedly represent workers and workers supposedly represent their families. But uh, there's a disconnect somewhere along there. Right. No, I think there is. And, and yes, they can represent the unions all they want. But they've got to understand that the parents who live in their districts uh, maybe have, have different ideas. Well, George, uh, thank you so much for your time as always. Are you going to be traveling anytime soon? No, uh, the, in the next uh, few uh, weeks, I'm going to uh, be playing uh, close to home because of the uh, holidays. And uh, I'm trying to finish up a book, my second one. And so uh, I'm going to try to to take care of several things here at home before I get back out. On the, on well, the you just want to hang around for some turkey. That's what you're... Well, you know, then there's also the football games. <laughs> the football games, yeah. Giants play the Cowboys on Sunday. I've got my little Cowboys let's, jacket let's on. Let's say that the Giants will attempt to play yes. the Cowboys. That, I mean, the Cowboys should win that game. <laughs> yes. But if some for some reason they don't, I, that's going to be... Oh, my gosh. Embarrassing? Yeah, yeah that's going to be... But, but they, they will win. I mean, They'll, I have no doubt that they're... That they're going to win. Well, George, have a wonderful have a wonderful week, and uh, I look forward to our next chat. And if we don't chat before Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving. But I'm pretty sure we'll chat between Thanksgiving and Christmas. You got it, buddy. Have All a good right. one. Thank you so much, uh, our good friend George Rodriguez from South Texas. We talked a little bit about different issues uh, right now here in Texas. Uh, obviously, the new session with the vouchers and the situation on the border. Uh, I have a post. Uh, coming out uh, on Friday morning regarding the situation on the border and uh, the, the fact that more and more Democrat cities are really panicking about this. Uh, in Massachusetts, they're pretty much telling people to go somewhere else. They say, don't come to Massachusetts. We cannot handle this anymore. In New York City, I think they're even paying your flight to get out of New York City. So this is a, uh, a real mess that the Democrats have created. Now, what they're hoping for is that they get bailed out by the federal government. That was part of the idea. You know, we'll, we'll vote for the Israel uh, military package, for the you know Ukraine military package, and then we throw in money for the cities. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. That was their plan, but that's not going to happen because the Speaker of the House has already said that these votes will be separate, as they should be, as they should be. People should vote separately. Uh, for these issues. So they're not going to get any money to bail them out. They're going to have to figure out how they're going to fix this problem uh, with their own constituents. And it's not going to be pretty as we're seeing in New York, as we're seeing in Chicago, as we're seeing in in Massachusetts. I guess these people never thought that sanctuary cities were actually sanctuary cities. They thought that, you know, they could talk about it and people would never come. But people came and they don't have a clue of what to do. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas. Thanks to our friend George for joining us today. And we'll try to do a follow-up with George after the the legislative uh, session here in Texas. Have a great day, everybody. And I think if you're in the North Texas area, it's going to be chilly here the next uh, couple of days. Go Cowboys on Sunday. And uh, I'm, I'm really, 
I can't wait for the baseball season to start. It's 150 days, but I'm I'm getting ready for another baseball season like the one we just had. Thank you for listening. Talk to you later. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas.